Blog Talk Radio. Hi, it's Adriel Hampton, host of Government 2.0 Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us this Sunday evening. I am uh, here with uh, guest uh, Scott Horvath, uh, who is the federal web developer, and we're going to have a discussion about uh, various topics relating to web development uh, and uh, ease of use. Um, also, uh, hoping to be joined tonight by uh, my co-hosts, uh, Steve Ressler and Steve Lunsford, and I believe uh, they've uh, just joined us. Uh, Steve Ressler, Steve Lunsford, are you here with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Adrian? Yeah. yeah, Steve's here as well. All right. Well, uh, Steve Lunsford, do you want to uh, give us, do you have a GovTwit we can review for us tonight? Yeah, not not quite, but uh, I will talk a little bit about um, uh, an event I, I had the good fortune to attend earlier in the week uh, with FedScoop, uh, held a, a fairly um, in-depth and, and, and nice event down at the uh, museum uh, surrounding kind of how to do, how to get things done in government. Um, I think the topic was how to get things done in government using technology, but I think the vast majority of the topics were around uh, Web 2.0 in general. Um, there was a great, great panel on, uh, on cloud computing. Uh, Peter Corbett um, from iStrategy Labs, who pulled together apps for democracy, uh, did a, a one-on-one interview with um, uh, Craig Newmark talking about kind of his, some of his views about how to get things pumped up in, in this arena. And it was a, a, a really nice event. I think it's the first time that Goldie has done anything like this uh, uh, from the FedScoop side, but there were folks from Citrix and, and some of the other sponsors, uh, Microsoft and others there, and it was kind of a good mix of the tech crowd and the, and the government crowd there. That's great. I was following, and it seemed like a really interesting event. Steve Ressler, were you also out at that one? Or? No, I wasn't, but uh, no, I heard that event was really good. and uh, I actually followed, uh, there's another event this week, Blog World Expo, so I was following the tweets from that. I know... Uh, Steve Raddick and some government folks were out, out in Las Vegas, of all places. Um, and actually, Steve Raddick wrote a great uh, blog post uh, on it calling uh, Gov2.0, we need to get past the honeymoon stage relationship. That's on uh, GovLoop and also his blog, steveraddick.com. And uh, just talking a lot about uh, moving back past the phase of the, the first month in relationship where it's all lovey-dovey, everything's perfect, and getting into it. The, the real tough debate, debate. and uh, that's actually some really interesting dialogue online about that. So something like that was a great conference as well. Yeah, and you know, along those same lines, Brian Drake, one of my colleagues at Deloitte, um, at the Drake on on Twitter, wrote a similar uh, uh, post talking about Gov2.0 fail. And I think you know th- a lot of this um, uh, germinated after the the Gov2.0 Expo. Uh, Brian and Steve and others were talking about you know how to do things. You know what was missing from that. While it was a great event, you know what what could be done better. And, and um, there was a short conversation uh, a week or so ago that, that Brian helped lead with some folks down at uh, Napa. Um, and
to uh, you know so some practical uh, experiences from from those in government on both successes and failures to be able to learn kind of a do plus delta on on how people can approach these types of problems in their own agencies. You know, I had some technical great. difficulty for a minute there. Did uh, a little technical difficult some of the people here. Yeah, definitely. Are are you guys losing the signal as well? I can hear you. Maybe it's just once or I don't know. Now let me you know what, let me hang up and dial back in. Okay, sorry oh. folks. Um but well, so what was going on with you this week, Adriel? What's that? What was going on with me this week? Oh, well, I have a, a couple of interesting things coming up. Uh, I'm doing a, uh, a second uh, edition of the local uh, Citizen 2.0 training uh, tomorrow at one of the uh, local political clubs. Um, it's kind of part of an effort. Uh, we did it before uh, just here uh, near the time the show began back in uh, late spring. Uh, here at my uh, condo building's community room. This time it's at a local political club that meets at a union hall. But the idea is to train uh, activists and just everyday folks who want to be involved with government or know more what's going on in the community uh, with social media tools. So we're kind of looking at the uh, very basics of, you know, how do you use Twitter, what's a hashtag, uh, some of the things that, that I think folks kind of in the in the bubble can can take for granted, but a lot of people, you know, still don't know what Twitter is even. Uh, so I'm doing one of those uh, tomorrow night, and then Wednesday in Sacramento, I'm speaking at a uh, business to government uh, kind of panel uh, with a, actually some politicians uh, about using new media in a government setting. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. It's the first two speaking engagements on, on Government 2.0 and social media concepts in a long time. So looking that's forward to that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I played golf uh, on Friday with uh, someone who's actually, whose wife's a dermatologist. And you forget people like that. He was, uh, I was telling him about GovLoop, and he was trying to get some ideas on her Facebook strategy as a dermatologist, how to use new media. Um, to reach out better to her clients, talk about uh, you know skin care and new products, and making sure that they're getting what they need. So I mean, every small business, politician, government agency thinking about this, and uh, often we skip to the the 401 graduate courses, and uh, like you know, there's a lot of people like that guy who just wants simple basics of uh, you know what's the fan page called? How do I do that? Is that free? You know, how often should I update? Like, Real simple stuff. Yeah, and I was looking, uh, I was reading uh, Fast Company yesterday, and they had a uh, one of their intro pages was all these uh, facts about Twitter. And one of them is that there's projections that by 2013 there will be a billion people using it. And, I, think, I mean, what an amazing opportunity for connectedness. And also, uh, you know, if you're a small business or a large business, I mean, that's a, a, a huge realm of people that are, you know, kind of be exposed to your product, uh, whether you're the one exposing them or not. And I think it's a very interesting uh, interesting time when you have growth uh, projected to be that high. I think with, with Twitter it's because there's so much uh, ability for SMS uh, uh, service. I know they just signed some kind of contract with an Indian uh, telecom company to 
make sure that uh, Indian cell phone users could use Twitter without incurring a bunch of extra costs. And wow. that, that makes it a very powerful uh, mobile platform. I think, I think as mobile growth is just going to, these technologies, you, you know, it's going to be like having a web page 10 years ago. You're going to have to, you know, people maybe don't have them yet, but you're going to have to, to have uh, a social media presence and a knowledge of social media uh, before long. Yeah, no, I mean, even even I think mobile is the, the huge growth area. Uh, even on GovLoop, I always try to think of how can I make this more mobile-friendly. And you know, we have an okay site, gov.com slash M for mobile with iPhone, but uh, it's something I've been kind of thinking about. How can we make this more mobile-friendly? Because um, I think everyone's going to have smartphones in the next couple of years. And um, what do you do? You know, how do you use the mobile device to snap photos at a conference, capture video, blog, text. I think that will be the device to use even more than the actual laptop or the desktop. The mobile is the key thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it will be great. And I saw you, you guys had a, a milestone this past uh, week or so with GovLoop uh, officially passed 20,000 members. Is that... Uh... Yeah, no, it's pretty uh, pretty wicked. It kind of, you know, quickly past. It wasn't even uh, ready for the big news. But um, yeah, so we're officially, I was looking at that today, uh, we're officially bigger than the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, the U.S. Department of, of Energy. Uh, we hold uh, you know, more people than the citizens of Boston Celtic Stadium. So it's, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to look for a fun analogy. So it's pretty amazing to see the, see the growth. And, um, and we're excited. we got a, a big uh, news tomorrow. Um, but we're, we're hiring a GovLoop community manager whose basic mission is going to be how do we get more members engaged, not just more members, but how do we make it more engaging, uh, more useful, how do we take these conversations to the next level and become real knowledge solutions, and all in all, just going to make it better for the community. So uh, excited to announce that uh, tomorrow, and we'll have to get uh, this uh, secret person on the air in a week or two to uh, talk about his vision, because it's really going to be his. I just threw in a bad pronoun for my leak. <laughs> That's great. You were you going to say uh, it'll, it'll be awesome for sure. Um, well, that's exciting. I think that, that that's what you want is you want a, a, a networking site or a knowledge networking site, uh, GovLoop, that's actually, uh, you know, where a high percentage of the members are active. Uh, you know, make it, make it more powerful than the Department of Energy or the Department of Labor. And that would be... Uh, be something to see. Well, that's a yeah. I want to do, uh, do also one quick thing to interrupt, but uh, I was looking today. I think it's our show producer's birthday, uh, Megan Harvey. I saw that on uh, on her Facebook. So uh, I don't think she's with us today, but uh, wanted to give her a uh, special shout out for her uh, kind the scenes awesomeness she always does, and wish her a happy birthday today. Absolutely, happy birthday to Megan Harvey. Yeah, happy birthday, Megan. Um, so we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest, uh, Scott Horvath. Uh, Scott, are you uh, are you there with us? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're there. I, I'm sorry about that. It may have been me. Yeah, no problem. I thought you guys were hanging up on me already. <laughs> <laughs> Before you even got to introduce yourself. Well, Scott, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, what some of your, your passions are, and then we'll get into uh, some discussion about um, uh, some of the topics we were we were discussing for tonight. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, uh, as you said, my name is Scott Horvath. Uh, I actually work for the U.S. Geological Survey, 
And my title uh, officially is a public affairs specialist. But what I do is, by day by day, is uh, web development, web application development. Uh, I do the website design and uh, uh, some of the maintenance for the USGS homepage, uh, the, a lot of the areas underneath the science in your state, things like that. Uh, I also do the uh, help to create and uh, continually produce the USGS Corecast, which is our uh, the USGS's official, our, we call it the flagship podcast uh, of the agency. And uh, I also do, obviously, some social media stuff as well. Uh, and along with that, and you didn't, even though you can't see it, I also work on the uh, internal website uh, in addition to just, you know, pretty much whatever comes my way. I'm sort of like a jack-of-all-trades, at least I try to be. So, But uh, the development in the social media is really, uh, really my passion. I, I mean, I just... I thoroughly enjoy those. Um, I don't know beyond beyond anything. It's, it's actually being at being at the USGS. I got to say, it's probably one of the first times I've I've honestly felt excited to get up in the morning on a Monday morning, go to work, and uh, sad to leave on a Friday afternoon. So, wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about uh, something. Um, we had a little earthquake here uh, in in the. Um San Francisco East Bay, um, yeah. and and I, I see that uh, there's an RSS reader for earthquakes on the main USGS site, and then I saw something bouncing around. I didn't get a, a chance to take a look at it um, closely, but it was basically a, a, a map of tweets about the earthquakes. It looked like uh, that the U.S. Uh, Geological, Geological Survey actually put that together. Can you tell us about those uh, uh, efforts? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I mean, on the on the USGS on the website and on uh, the main earthquake site, which is like earthquake.usgs.gov, um, you can get a lot of different uh, way, a lot of get, there's a lot of different ways to get information about the latest earthquakes. So there's RSS feeds that you met, as you mentioned. Um, there's Google uh, Google Earth KML uh, files. Um, there's also I mean, there's a lot of different tools that are available to the public. Uh, what you're what you're what you're referring to specifically with the tweets is actually a project that they a prototype project that the earthquakes group is doing within USGS, uh, and it's called um, uh, US we're calling it USGS it's called TED, so Twitter Earthquake uh, Detector, and essentially what it does is it takes the the epicenter uh, the location of the epicenter well that is the epicenter takes the epicenter and then it plots it on a map. And then it looks on Twitter for any kind of uh, tweet that's coming across related to that episode or related to that specific earthquake event, and it plots those on the map. So it's pretty wild because you get a chance to see um, not only this, just the, the, um, the number of tweets that are happening around a specific event, but you get to see the actual uh, the messages that are coming across, the, people are, the things that they're actually saying on Twitter related to that event, which is – it's um, it's, it's it's a pretty interesting little project they have going on there. They probably uh, and there's another other factors as well too. I mean, your discretion advised, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they're doing a good job with um, the, the group that's running. They're doing a great job with putting in filters to clean up some of the the language that comes across. And it's it's uh it's a little bit difficult because as you can imagine, Twitter is not just U.S. based only. So um, having to come up with the the I'll call it, you know the offensive language in Multiple languages, uh, it's it's kind of hard to do. So, but uh, they're doing a pretty good job with that, and it's got some it's got some really good potential for 
uh, as a supplemental product for the other uh, earthquake uh, products that they have as well. So, and they, and they have there's there's a, we also have one that's called Did You Know or I'm sorry, Did, uh, Did You Feel It, which is uh, it's been going on for quite some time. But the public can actually log in. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Adriel, but you can log in and if you feel an earthquake, uh, you can report the earthquake through the website, and then they use that to actually, uh, you know. It goes along with the other data that, they, that the USGS has related to that event, and they they'll plot you know the number of people that uh, felt the earthquake within a certain zip code. Um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting uh, pretty interesting tool that's available to the public. Hey Scott, this is uh, Steve Rushwood chiming in. Uh, good to hear your voice. It's been too long. Yeah, um, I know, man. Um, can you talk a little bit? Uh, how long have you been with USGS and? Uh, you mentioned how exciting it is now. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how it feels now with all these changes going on versus you know, maybe five or uh, eight years ago when um, things were a little bit more static? Yeah, it's, I've been with USGS now for, let's see, I've been for five years, but it'll be, I was a contractor for the first year. So uh, four years, as, one year as a contractor, four years as a Fed. Um, prior to that, I, I've always been doing, I've pretty much done government contract work. Uh, but it's always been around the world of, of in web development, so uh, it's it's definitely um, it's it's changed quite a bit, as most people you know, as most people know. Uh, just being in it from from the from the coding level, from the code monkey level, uh, it, you know, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a big change because you know, starting in, it was always a static site. Everything was static. It was just, hey, we've got a we got a message to put out. Um, we've got, you know, we want to tell people how to get to our, you know, our location, let's say, whatever it might be. And then now you come into, you know, into nowadays and you've got uh, this interaction between the public and the government and, and agencies and, you know, different organizations. And you're just, and it's all real time, or if it's not real time, it's near real time. And if it's anything less than that, it's sort of, you know, you're sort of like, well, Where's the real-time aspect of this? You know, I want the information now. You know, where's the interaction? And it's it's completely changed, and it's uh, it's it's exciting, but at the same time, it's also a little bit nervous because you're just sort of you're wondering what can we do to bring the work that we've been doing for so many years on the web to meet with today's expectations and today's needs, and to to make that sort of jump is. Um, if you don't know where you're going and how to get there, it's, it, it can be, you know, it's, it's, it will be difficult. So, Yeah, no, I can see that, especially with the, I mean, I think with the real-time stuff, I mean, I think uh, we're so used to, you know, if you work in the government, uh, of getting uh, permission, right? So uh, yep. and to do anything real-time, you need usually, you know, or uh, at least a couple signatures to, to do anything, at least, at least into the public in real-time. You don't have time to do that. So it's kind of a, a weird, weird problem to have. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely um, there's definitely a lot more policies and a lot of things that you have to follow with when it comes to government. But it doesn't mean that it can't be done. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I, I see a lot is we're all talking about government 2.0. We're all talking about social media in the government. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a lot more difficult with the government than it is, let's say, if you're running your own business or you you, you know you're working in the private sector. But um, it, it's not that it's not impossible. I mean, it can be done, but they're, they're, you know, the government has another level of expectations from the public, and, and another set of responsibilities that we have to we have to uphold, and, and you know, if we have to meet those, but we can do that 
as well as moving into the technologies and using the tools that are, are available today. So, Yeah. No, I think we saw that this week a little bit with um, you know, GSA launched the government URL short, shortener with kind of a, a version of Bitly, but uh, I think it's, what is it, go.usa.gov or something like that, which I thought was a very cool project. I thought they needed it for a while, but, um, you know, it had some haters out there in the States. This, this was a waste of government money and, uh, and vice versa, even though I think it was mainly built on open source by, uh, by Fed. So, yeah. I mean, it just shows the, the, the problems with government based public. Yeah, I saw that article on uh, it was a TechCrunch article, I believe, that you're talking about. It was a um, yep. just a little short article, but all the comments were, were very positive. And I think, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's definitely a good tool. And you know, it'll it'll grow, it'll expand, and, and you know, more things will be added to it, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think there's you know, we're the government is not as slow as people think we are. <laughs> you know, it just we just have other things that we have to. Uh, to meet other expectations and other policies that we have to meet up with. So, yeah, no, there, this is Steve Lunsford. There's there's a lot of areas obviously where government is is at the forefront of these technologies, whether they need to be. You know, they're driven to things like uh, Intellipedia and, and such. Uh, you know, post 9/11 to be able to share information better, or you know, in the case of the URL shortener, I mean, there's there's a real reason for that. I mean, you, you've got other services that that just fold and go under, and and they're there one day and they're gone the next. So. Why not have an ability if, if government is going to be be using these links and using them through their channels, whether it be through their official Facebook or, or Twitter feeds or whatever it may be? Um, you know, why not use a government-sponsored shortener that w- that you know the government is going to keep running and it's not just going to go, just go poof and disappear the next day? Right. Um, hey, Scott, one quick question for you. So, very very selfish question. So, so I'm I'm sitting here in GovTwit looking at the USGS um, feeds. So, so am I correct? I mean, and, I, and you may not know this off the top of your head, but there's basically three different earthquake feeds. There's one that's kind of overall, which is uh, USGS underscore earthquake, and then there's one for California, and then there's uh, earthquake and tsunami in addition to the, the, to the just at USGS. Does that sound right to you? You're looking at you're looking at where now? I'm looking at GovTwit. Okay. Um, there's actually a lot of. Uh... There's a lot of different feeds. So you've got, I mean, there's several different earthquake feeds. Uh, I mean, there are some that are specific for a, a magnitude that are greater than a certain, you know, greater than two two point five, I think. And there's some that are greater than five only. Um, and I'm and actually, I want I'm taking a look at what you're looking at right now, so I'm kind of get through going through GovTwit. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have we have several different RSCs for earthquakes, and there's, uh, yeah, there's just a, there's just a number of them. I, so, so let me ask a question. Are you, re, are you um, for basically all the different RSS that, that USGS offers, does it duplicate that within Twitter? So, so I know, for instance, and I, I pretty much have stopped using um, RSS or, or, or any other reader. I, I'm, you know, kind of addicted to using TweetDeck and to throwing, uh, you know, picking feeds up there because just about anything that I want has already, you know, been, been kind of pushed through a Twitter feed in its own way as – is that part of the strategy, or, or does USGS kind of run its channels differently? They have a, uh, an RSS channel, and not everything kind of makes it over to Twitter. Yeah, we, we have some we have some feeds that go over to Twitter. Uh, some RSS feeds that go over to Twitter automatically. And we've got the um, there's one that's uh, just USGS News, which is essentially uh, the news releases and, and some frequently asked questions. 
uh, and also some of the podcasts that we have. And then we've got one that's USGS, USGS Podcast, which is actually all of our podcasts uh, through one feed on Twitter. So um, anytime a new one comes up, it'll go out there. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of Twitter accounts that serve up the earthquake feeds themselves, but they're not USGSs. Right. Which is which is interesting because you'll see we, we see it sometimes. I mean, you know, we monitor. Uh, you know, we look at over over Twitter. And we, we follow the things that people are talking about, and you know, you'll see something from time to time that says, you know, I can't stand all these earthquake tweets coming across. I gotta I gotta drop USGS. You know, earthquakes. It's like, well, that's not really us. Uh, you know, we're really not doing that. It's not our account, but it's just somebody that's set up a Twitter feed. So. Um, I don't think the move is going. I don't think the the plan is to move everything away from RSS to Twitter. I think Twitter is just another avenue um, that could be used for getting certain types of information out. Um, we we definitely do not intend to quit the RSS feed. Even if you weren't subscribing to RSS in a regular way, you know, just to like check up for latest updates, there's always. I think there's always going to be a need for the data from that feed. You know, so whether someone is looking at it or they're using it to serve some other application or to, you know, they're mashing it up with something else, and there's going to be a need for it. Um, there's no need to get rid of it. And it's really not hard enough at all. Um, it's just another method for us to get the information out. So I definitely Let me don't jump think that just for a second here to give uh, folks the call-in number. It's 347-539-5704. Uh, uh, I think we have uh, at least one caller on the line uh, with a possible question. We'll open it up uh, in about five minutes for questions. But, um, Scott, I wanted to ask you about, so we're talking about RSS and maybe some Twitter feeds that folks create themselves uh, off of features on the USGS site. Um, and we're also talking about how you have to have uh, a little more vetting perhaps than if it was just a, you know, if it was a smaller private business or if it was something that, you know, you, you thought was super cool. Uh, when you want to do something with the site, uh, you know, for example, this this TED project, um, how do you go about vetting uh, new ideas for such a data-rich agency? And what are some of the uh, the hits and misses you can tell us about? And and how do you evaluate, you know, whether whether something's going to be a, a fit, uh, especially in the new media kind of instant real-time world? Oh, I mean. It you know, it's, it really depends on, obviously, it depends on what you're doing. Um, within the context of the, of the, the TED project, um, you know, it's, you know, obviously, for us to, to use Twitter to begin with, we have to make sure that, you know, you know we're allowed to deal with it. I mean, there's the, the GSA Terms of Service Agreements that people worked at, and before there wasn't one for Twitter uh, because Twitter was fine. Uh, a little bit of that, that's changed, and I know the GSA is working with Twitter to fix that, but, you know, so... Setting up that initial account um, was not a problem, but what internally what we are trying to do is we want to make sure that we've got some sort of strategy for doing these things, for using these tools. Um, if you've got no strategy, you've, there's there's no point in you know you just don't jump out there. You you got to have a plan behind what you're doing. Um, the TED project seemed very uh, very interesting, seemed very unique, and it seemed that it was it was something that we could that we could try you know we could try. We could we could work with work with it, and so I didn't pull it together myself. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Paul Earl, who's actually on Twitter as well, um, he is the the head for the earth for the Twitter uh, earthquake detector project, and 
Um, he's really done a, a lot of work working with his managers, his supervisors, working with the communications office uh, to make sure, and with the ethics office as well, to make sure that what they wanted to do with this project, um, you know, was everything was kosher, everything was okay. So, uh, and, it, and it took a little bit to go through, but it, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a big deal. I think it was it probably took more time just to get people together to talk, you know, to to have the stars align, so to speak, and and before the project took off, but. Um, you know, depending on what you're doing, especially with like the uh, with the website, uh, for example, the USGS, you know, the main page. Uh, you know, we'll go through. I think what what most people want to do, we'll go through usability studies. We'll look at things that we've done for the site, uh, comments and feedback that we've gotten from the past, and sort of fold that into uh, the next direction of the of the website. Um, and then sometimes we've just launched a new feature that we really think that the public uh, has asked for, or they've wanted. Or maybe that we want to try something new, and we just launched the feature and, and just see how it goes. Um, and we may decide to pull it, and we may decide not to. Um, it it's, it really depends. The flexibility is, is different depending upon what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, it's with the website, it's a little bit easier for us because we're I'm within the office of communications, and we're responsible for the main site, so for the main page itself, and um, so we've got a little bit more flexibility where we are with that piece of it, but. Yeah. What are some of the uh, the newer features that have been uh, highly popular that have really met the, the agency's uh, goals in terms of user adoption? Well, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's always been popular is definitely the, um, without a doubt, the earthquake site, uh, and especially the, the the did you feel it site within the earthquake, you know, within your earthquake program. Um, you know, if you felt an earthquake, you log on. Anybody be able to log on and, and you know give their response, give their feedback on, on what they felt, where they felt it, how strong it was. Uh, I mean, it's that's that you know that public and government sort of like the public giving the information to the government and helping the government you know put something together for them. I mean, it's it's a um, it's a really good tool. You know, it's that the the crowdsourcing of earthquake knowledge, I guess you want to call it. So. Um, that's probably one of the most one of the most popular features that that USGS has as far as a, a service for the public. Um, you know, it, it, it varies. Uh, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, some people like to uh, they like to find information that's local to them. Uh, you know, what's what's happening in, in in California? What's happening in Virginia? What's happening with you know science related issues in Florida? And you know, we have a site for that um, where you can go and just you know find out what sort of Projects and, and programs are available within your within your state. So, uh, I, I think as we move further with the website and further with the services and tools that USGS has to offer, I think the most powerful thing that we're going to be able to do is offer content that is uh, related to your local to, to your location. Things that are you know so that you hear about the geolocation things like that. Um, the getting the localized data, I think that's what people really. Um, what, what they really like a lot. They, they would really prefer to know what's happening in the area, what's happening in their neighborhood, you know, when is it happening, how is it happening, et cetera. So if we can get to that point, I think that would be tremendous. Great. And let me see if uh, if I can uh, bring uh, – we have a caller uh, from the uh, 703 area code, uh, the 
last four digits of the telephone number is 0061. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That is, that is yeah, we've lost our caller from 703. Uh, so we don't have any callers on the line right now. Uh, we've got questions up, but uh, the number again is 347-539-5704. Somebody uh, got tired of waiting, I guess. Uh, sorry. Got <laughs> Giving away Steve Lunsford's number. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna leak it on the internet. Nice. That's why pay Verizon uh, money every every month to to, to keep it private. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I, it's interesting, Scott. That site that you were talking about, the uh, did you feel it? I think I've actually used that because it, one of the first things. It, it's so. Uh, I mean, it seems like such a part of human nature that when you feel an earthquake, you know, and you're kind of rattled by it. You, you want to go on and, and, and connect with people about that. So I would guess that uh, this, the kind of information that USGS is providing and interacting on is really ripe for, uh, for social media use. Do you, do you guys find that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's specifically with that one, I mean, it's, if you think about it, you, you've got this tool, you know, did you feel it? Um, and, and like you said, you know, in your earthquake, you, you feel like you want to go, you want to, you want to share some information. You want to go to that site, but if you could do that also without having to, you know, always fill out a form, for example, um, and we certainly want people to keep doing the form because that's great. It's a great tool. It actually provides better information for us in the long run. But um, to get the instantaneous inspiration, um, you know, the TED that little, the TED project, which is a great tool for that, because you're you're already using a tool, a service like Twitter, for example, that is, you're, you're telling people, hey, I felt an earthquake. Well, you know, we're taking that and we're combining that with the, the scientific data that we have, and we're creating a map for you to see, just to show you some more information related to what's going on. So, I mean, it's, you're almost helping, you, I mean, you're, you're almost helping the government without actually, you know, having to try to do it. I mean, it's just naturally happening. Um, I think that's very cool. You know, I think it's just 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 for that for that thing to function like that. Um, it, it's just it's just a wild thing, it's, and and that's just the beginning of, of things. I mean, there's so many. You know, we we are a, a, a data rich agency. I mean, that's one of the things that we that we pride ourselves on is, you know, the scientific data that we that we create and that we, that we explore and we learn and uh, being able to put that out using using any sort of social media tool, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, who knows what we can do in, in the future down the line. I mean, who, who knows? It's just, uh, you know, we'll, one step at a time, you know. Hey, Scott, this we is have Steve. a caller on now from the 303 area code. Hi, who's uh, there with us? Hi, my name's uh, Paul Earle, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the chief seismologist on the TED project. Oh, great. Thanks for calling in. Sure, hey, yeah. Just, uh, hey, Scott, how you doing? Good. Um, yeah, I picked up Scott's Twitter feed, and he said he was on the radio, so I turned in. I may be a little bit late here. But uh, I just want to give a little background on, on what we're trying to do and why, for example, there are feeds out there with earthquakes, but we don't have anything out there yet. And it's because it's hard to, like like Scott mentioned, there's lots of people that, um, you know, these, these earthquake feeds just put out tons and tons of earthquakes. So people will get on Twitter, they'll get all these, and then they'll they'll stop using it. So what we're doing is we're taking an approach, first of all, we have to identify which earthquakes might people might be interested in, so which earthquakes affected people, so to keep the number down. 
and then also to use Twitter, the advantage of using Twitter, you know, what, what can we use Twitter to help with what we're doing? So in other words, kind of initial heads up that an earthquake happened somewhere where we don't have a lot of seismic instruments. And so it's really kind of not only a tool to push stuff out, but it's a tool to, to help us and get feedback from the community. So there will be this feedback between us giving information to people and people giving information to us. And, and where can folks find out going. for uh Hello, uh, are we on the air? I'm sorry, I had uh, some, some technical difficulty again there. I think we're back on, uh, Adriel. Sorry about that. Ellie, I'm sorry, uh, listeners, I don't know what the uh, what the issue is tonight, but I think we uh, we lost our guest from the TED Project. Um, and, Scott, are you still with us? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, do you know where uh, folks can go to uh, to find out more about the uh, the TED project if they want? Yeah, actually, uh, it's on Twitter at uh, USGS TED. All right, that's great. Uh, we will. Um, I'll so link that. From Scott, quick question for you. This is Steve Lunsford. So, so I'm I'm checking out the Did You Feel It and and going to the TED site as well. Have the point was made earlier um, and even now that there's a lot of folks that tend to track. Uh, the information that you all are push, uh, pushing out. So you're pushing out a lot of information. You're maybe using some of the new tools to maybe collect information because you can see, as um, as was just said a minute, moment ago, if there's a place where you don't necessarily have uh, instrumentation to take notes that you can you know, start getting first reports. H have you ever thought about bringing kind of like communities of interest in, involved in terms of, uh, you know, form functionality or anything like that to to have people kind of, you know, talk about the different information, or, or is it really just that's kind of not that what the, the mission's about? The mission's more about the data and, and making certain that the data is collected and, and pushed out uh, quickly, or um, or are there, you know, communities of interest that USGS kind of participates in that may not be government-sponsored but are still out there? You know, I don't know if I can even answer that. I, I mean, I know that we... Um we just say with a lot of different communities, uh, depending upon, you know, you know, especially with the earthquakes and stuff. But I, I don't, you know, I don't really know if I can. Uh, I don't think it's all about the just the data. I mean, we definitely want to be working with the communities. Um, I don't know. I'd probably probably not the best person to answer that question. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I know NASA, you know, has a lot of folks that are obviously interested in the the, the data and the information that comes out of the space program, and it seems. Sure. Frankly, that the U.S. you know USGS is, is one of those types of things as well, where there's a certain segment of the population is just kind of very interested in the data that comes in, not only from the U.S. but uh, uh, from other areas of the globe. And uh, didn't know if you all were looking at kind of harnessing the power of the, the social networks uh, from that perspective. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably something that we should, uh, if and if we're not, we should definitely be looking into it. I, I think that um, you know there's there's a lot of opportunity out there with with when it comes to uh, community involvement, and I think, um, you know, if we just spread the wings a little bit and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So, 
Scott, outside of the uh, earthquake uh, information, what are some of the more popular and interactive uh, uh, features of the USGS site and, or, or some of the initiatives you're uh, working on? Well, you know, some of the things that, uh, it, like I said, again, again, it always goes back to what you're looking for, but some of the things that are popular, at least from the homepage perspective, from the main site, um, the, the podcasting is, is very popular itself. Uh, and, and recently, just the uh, the multimedia gallery that we have. We just we just launched the multimedia gallery, which is audio, video, uh, photos, and that went up in uh, December, the end of December, about the, yeah, about the end of December. So th those have actually been pretty good. They're 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 getting a lot of traction, a lot of traffic. Um, the podcasts have been pretty popular, not only with uh, our own, own employees, but with you know with the public as well. We've gotten a lot of good subscriptions for that. I think right now we're at the last numbers I checked for that we're a little bit over six thousand with the RSS subscribers to the to the main Corecast, which is our our flagship podcast. But um, there's there's hundreds of thousands of views for that uh, particular site though uh, on a monthly basis, and it's, it's so it's growing, it's growing, and um, you know I, I think it just kind of lends the fact it just lends the proof that. Uh, the you know multimedia um, you know social media I mean all these tools where you've got uh, either you're doing you know the, the, the visual stuff like the the videos um, you know you, you did the podcast and the audio you know you're you're they're they're tools that are people enjoy they use better they use their they appreciate them more than just reading static text on a page um, and, and and it's it's where everything's going. It's where, that's the direction we're moving in. So uh, it's you know it's it's um, it's getting there. I certainly love them. Of course, I'm biased. <laughs> no, I think I you're doing a great job. What one other quick question, wrestler on the line? Um, what are you what are you really thinking about with mobile these days? I mean, I, I think we talked a little bit in the show. I think before you hopped on that. Um, with uh, you know these mobile devices, so much is possible, and you know especially we're talking, you know earthquakes. We have uh, you know, obviously we talked about Twitter, but the opportunities to snap photos, videos, um, anything mobile is uh, the future. And didn't know if you had any thoughts on uh, what you're thinking about there. We haven't actually got uh, into the mobile as yet. Uh, we've got so much under our belt now. It's with a small enough staff, staff so um, we're doing. We're doing what we can. I know that the mobile is definitely a big thing, and it's it's interesting to see. You know, when you, when mobile first started getting, you know, when you had the the text, the, you know, your text on your phones, and your, the text, the web, um, and I think I want to say like it was a Yellow Pages, I think was or Super Pages was the first one of the first ones that come out with had their entire site was all text based, you know, and now you're you've got your you've got this little device, little smartphone, no matter what you've got, and it's uh, your full web browser on there. I mean, it's running JavaScript, it's running Flash, well, sometimes Flash, but depending on what it is. You've got, um, you know, I mean, you're, you're viewing videos. I mean, it's, it's the change in the, the period of time, it's, it's pretty substantial. And uh, it's almost as if do you, you have to question, you know, do you, do you develop something, uh, a mobile version of your site now and spend the time that it takes to do that, knowing that maybe... Uh, you know, six months from now, it could be completely different, and the game could be changed altogether. Or, you know, do you build on a different platform? You know, do you build stuff like uh, apps for iPhone or for, you know, for things like uh, for Google Android? I mean, 
Do you go that route? Do you stick with the mobile website? Do you do you do them all? Um, you know, I don't know. I think I think probably the best answer would probably be uh, you know maybe a little bit of all. Uh, you know, maybe some apps that would be nice depending upon what they're for. Um, if they're useful enough, maybe you know mobilizing the site for the you know the most popular features. Uh, what 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 mobile users would get the most use out of if they came to the USGS site. Uh, but we just haven't approached that yet, and I think. Um, I know that we're definitely thinking about it, and I know there's little groups, uh, pockets of people you know, across the USGS that have been thinking about that as well. And uh, so, you know, time will time will tell. But um, yeah, I know you were talking about GovLoop going mobile and or trying to maybe go mobile. And I think that's, I think what would be great for GovLoop is if you guys had an app. <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. imagine a video, just like an app where you can upload video that you're shooting. You know. Okay, guys, we've got 10 seconds. Uh, that's Scott Horvath on Twitter, uh, USGS web developer and public affairs uh, specialist. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're signing off the live show. Uh, now the podcast will continue as long as we talk, so if you guys want to uh, sign off uh, or continue the discussion, uh, we're not live anymore, but uh, it will pick up in the recording. And I want to thank you so much, uh, Scott, for joining us. Uh, yeah, sure thing. Could have gone, could have gone longer, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you guys want to do. Now this, this is great. I should uh, probably uh, bounce. But now I need, I need to, I need a sweet uh, iPhone app, and more importantly, I feel like I need a BlackBerry app. Although I don't know if uh, government Blackberries can really download apps yet. So got to get past. Yeah, they can actually. Can they really? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a, uh, I did have a Storm, and. Um, uh, there was a it had the app store on it and everything and and uh, well you know their version app world I think is what they called it but uh, yeah there was apps on there yeah need uh, need to get some get hacking away dude especially with this Android coming out you know it's like that's like going to be the the next big thing too yeah don't forget about WebOS hey dude <laughs> you free, well man. see that's the thing it's like what do you do what do you develop for do you develop for the iPhone do you develop for Android and BlackBerry and I mean you know why why isn't there just one standard why do we have to go down the browser route you know you know we had we had this in the past where there you know there was like Netscape and Internet Explorer and, and it was basically like a fight you know fight to the death for who's got the best browser and, and who's going to have the most biggest market share and then now you've got apps so it's like and I almost bought a uh, HD DVD player yeah, so you Blu-ray. I mean, it's the Very same. Thing. It's, it's just it's just cyclical. You know, it repeats over and over again. It's just sort of why guys, why can't you just get along? And you know what? Five years from now, everyone's going to come to the table and say, you know what? We should just have one standard for developing apps. And then there's going to be something else that's better than an app. So you'll get standardized browsers by then. You have standardized apps by then. Then you're going to have to have standardized something else later on. So it's just cyclical. It's, it's just uh, it's like, what do you do? <laughs> Yeah, right, because you have finite dollars, and, and you know, what is the true um, upside of the ROI of going out and dropping 20, 30 grand on developing an app, possibly? Yeah. You know, when uh, it, it reaches, it's not reaching everybody. That's why stuff like uh, the thing that we saw at uh, Gov2O Expo uh, that, the, that um, UNICEF was doing with uh, just using plain old SMS to collect data. Yeah, I saw that. You know, was, uh, you know, it. it Pretty, pretty. It rocks because it's a, it's a standard, right? It's a standard across all platforms. Anybody with a mobile, whether it's a smart device or not, can take advantage of it and uh, be able to push information back and 
And so I think you're right. While there's disparate standards, it becomes hard to say, yeah, what are we going to support? Yeah, and I was just reading, too, uh, just ahead of time about um, uh, RSS Cloud, uh, you know, just about how, you know, Twitter's gone up and down over the past several weeks, and, and now there, you know, there's the whole idea of uh, being able to, instead of having an RSS reader that reaches out to a, a, a feed and tries to see if there's new information, it's just basically it's an RSS push uh, that just pushes up back to the reader whenever there's a new entry instead of the reader going back. So, uh, and it's all, you know, it's supposed to be sort of sort of like, I guess you'd want to call it in the cloud, it's not really in the cloud, but um, it's sort of getting rid of the middleman, uh, the, the company, the provider, you know, uh, from what I understand, you know, so I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's another standard. It's a standard that, um, that could be used, that could, that could, you know, cut through all the, all the problems, hopefully. Cool. Well, thanks, Scott, for joining. I'm going to hop. Um, yeah. And uh, Steve and, and Adriel, will see you next week. Cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Scott, uh, I got one one request from the uh, public works sector for a, a USGS mobile app that would uh, have a benchmark lookup for field surveyors. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, that's a that's a great suggestion. Well, thank you so much, guys. And uh, this this episode will be available in uh, shortly after we uh, sign off here. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week, and uh, we're actually uh, scheduled to talk with the CEO of Yakabod, which is a uh, knowledge management uh, software hardware solution that's uh, been used by uh, intelligence agencies for some time and is now uh, kind of uh, uh, morphing along with the rest of uh, government to a more uh, social networking uh, type interface. It's interesting to see how established companies that have been uh, in the collaboration space or uh, now, uh, you know, really embracing uh, kind of the, the Facebook era of government as well. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks a lot.